Welcome to the Reunion Church Podcast. We're a community following Jesus, seeking the good of our city. We hope today's teaching is both challenging and encouraging. If we could be a resource to you on your spiritual journey, don't hesitate to reach out via our website at reunionnyc.com. Hey, welcome. Really glad that you are here. Uh, Today, we're actually going to start a new series um, talking about prayer. And um, over the next seven weeks, uh, we really want to lean into this idea that um, prayer is something that we learn, that we become more attuned to. So I'm going to set all of that up today, um, and welcome if this is your first time here. Um, We're Reunion. We're a community following Jesus, seeking the good of our city. And I hope that even as I was listening to the announcements, I was thinking, that's the kind of church we want to be, the kind of church that spends time together, the kind of church that serves our neighborhood, that has a presence where if our church somehow disappeared, it would be a bad thing for our neighborhood and for our city. And so um, let's keep pushing into those things. All right, let me read our uh, teaching text for today. It'll come up on the screen here. Today's teaching text comes from Matthew chapter 6, verses 5 through 15. And when you pray... Do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corner to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your Father who is unseen. Then your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans, for they think that they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. This, then, is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive other their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Um, So God, as we come in here uh, this morning to sing to you, to think about you, um, I pray that uh, you would be engaging both our minds and our hearts to really know you. I sense that in this room that um, there's a true desire for more. Stir in us a desire for more, more depth in relationship with you, more clarity about our identity in your son, Jesus, and... um, I just pray where there are doubts, would you, would you meet us in those doubts? I pray where there is skepticism, that you would give clarity. Uh, I pray that in these moments where um, we need hope, that you would be our hope, and that we would truly learn to come to you in prayer. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. So I don't know if you've seen the um, 2013 film Gravity, uh, Alfonso Cuaron as the director. His best movie is definitely The Prisoners of Azkaban, all right? Just saying. Um, But Gravity, uh, George Clooney, Sandra Bullock, um, this is not spoiler-free. You've had 10 years, all right? So just just being very clear here. Um, Two astronauts working together to survive in space. An accident leaves them stranded. And there's this powerful moment in the film where Sandra Bullock is stuck in space. She's facing the reality of death in front of her. And she begins sharing honestly on the radio. Here's what she says. I know we're all going to die, everybody knows that, but I'm going to die today. Funny that, you know, to know. But the thing is, is that I'm still scared, really scared. Nobody will mourn for me. No one will pray for my soul. Will you mourn for me? 
Will you say a prayer for me, or is it too late? I mean, I'd say one for myself, but I've never prayed in my life. Nobody ever taught me how. Nobody ever taught me how. Incredible moment and an incredible confession in the middle of this movie. To me, it exposes an irony about prayer. She says she would never pray, but no one ever taught her how. But I read this over and over again this week, and I thought, that sounds like a prayer. An honest conversation with a God that hears. I'm scared. I'm really scared. Like, think about an intense moment in your life, maybe not to this extreme where you're in space and you're facing life or death, but I think it's moments like these where we actually get serious, where we seek God in prayer and we desire to have faith. And maybe for you today, you'd say, well, I've actually never had faith, but you've had a moment of desperation and you thought, is there something else out there? Even if it's just growing your curiosity, our Lord's, the Lord's Prayer we're going to look at today is what's called, um, and I'll, I'll help us sort of delineate today, is called a priestly prayer. A priestly prayer is something that's structured, that's tested through time, and it's done as a way of repetition and ritual to teach us to pray. Um, the other side of that might be something um, called devotional prayer. It's maybe a little bit more free-flowing, free and you're just sort of naturally riffing. But the Lord's Prayer that I want to look at today is structured, it's methodical, and um, I just read Matthew's rendition of the Lord's Prayer, but in the Gospel of Luke, um, the Lord's Prayer is actually given in response to a question. It's uh, Luke 11, verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of the disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And so that's what we want to do over the next seven weeks is, is to just say, I want to learn to pray. And there's a couple facets of this that I want to really name up front so that we can enter this series appropriately is that through the series, what we want to do on Sunday morning is teach and model prayers during the service. And so um, Christine just came up. That was a very priestly prayer. We're responding with the Lord's Prayer through that. It's a way of teaching us to pray, those prayers of the people. Um, in addition to that, I'm going to teach us um, two types of prayer um, today during the, the sermon, and then over the next couple of weeks, we'll be talking about intercessory prayer, which is like interceding on behalf of someone else. Um, we'll talk about contemplative prayer, how do we um, seek stillness and silence so that we can actually listen in prayer, and then we'll be looking at something called fixed hour prayer, which is um, like how, how do we schedule prayers throughout the day, even if they're like these little moments with God. Um, another facet of this series that we really want to make sure we're doing is that um, personal prayer is great, but we also want to be praying together in community, right? Um, so often my prayers are sort of a laundry list of things I want God to do for me, but when we come together in prayer, naturally what we begin to do is we begin to think about other people. And so there's a community group that's meeting on Thursday mornings right at our office on 15th Street at 8 a.m. We're going to be praying together. If you can't make it in person to that, um, we will um, set up a Zoom link for that. We would prefer you come in person, um, but if you want to join from bed, do that, I guess. Um, you can check that out on the Connect page on our website. And then last thing I want to say here before we get into this, another hope in this series is that we would normalize receiving prayer. I know in my own heart, I've just had an experience of this where prayer was offered. I thought, I do have something I would love prayer for, but I don't want to walk up. I don't want to, to be the one that needs something. And so there's a barrier um, that needs to be crossed. And throughout this series, I just want to really... Um, I want us to humble ourselves and to die to some of the, you know, like pride in us to say, like, I actually need help. I need something outside of me to sustain me. We have wonderful prayer teams at this church. I'm just blown away at their capacity to listen 
and to pray. I'm not here to give you like a ton of wisdom or advice unless you're seeking it, um, but to pray for you. And I want to reassure you, over the next seven weeks, if you say, God, I want to learn to pray, you can learn. I would say that it is so innate in you. It is like, a, it is like your primary language, actually. And so we're going to be drawing that out of each other uh, over the next couple weeks. All right, so let's begin here with a very possibly overly simplistic question, which is, what is prayer? Um, the classic definition of prayer is lifting mind and heart to God. Prayer is lifting mind and heart to God. So through talking out loud or silently, we're attuning ourselves to God, both in conversation with God. So we're, we're talking, but there's a listening component, which we'll speak more to. But ultimately, what that means is prayer is about an encounter with God. So this week, I was thinking, what's the, like, what's the best way to understand how to pray? And I thought, well, Jesus was always praying. And so I just started flipping through the Gospels and looking at different times Jesus was praying. Jesus, in our passage today, taught his disciples to pray. Jesus healed people through prayer. Um, he denounced uh, the corruption in the temple by saying, this is, the temple is supposed to be a house for prayer. Um, early, early, early in the morning, Jesus is escaping by himself to go to desolate places to pray. Uh, the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus when he was praying. Jesus went up onto the mountain with his disciples. Um, he's uh, what's called transfigured in glory. He, he becomes bright as a light while he's praying. The night before Jesus is arrested, he's praying in the garden. Jesus is dying on the cross and he's praying. Why? Because he's seeking union, connection, intimacy, and relationship with God. And that is exactly what prayer is. Prayer is union, connection, intimacy, and relationship with God. And if I could begin anywhere with you this morning, I would just make a confession that even for, for me, prayer is difficult. Um, in 2017, I, I went to this Catholic monastery. It was in the middle of nowhere in Missouri. I drove there. I was going to spend um, 48 hours phone-free at this monastery praying, reading scripture, and seeking some discernment. And so I get there pretty late, but I thought in my mind, I want to get into my room, I want to unpack my bag, and I just want to spend an hour in prayer before bed. So I unpack my bag, I lay down, I start praying, what do I do? I fall asleep. Does anybody else do this? They're like, I have every good intention to pray, but I fall asleep, all right? Somebody tell me I'm not alone, please, thank you. Okay, very good. And so over the next 36 hours, I'm like, I'm tuned in. I'm, I'm, I'm wrestling through that type of devotional prayer. I'm falling asleep. Uh, I'm falling prey to distraction. I'm convincing myself at certain moments that you're not really good at prayer, so you might as well read the scriptures and study the scriptures, right? And so I'm, I'm struggling in this monastery to um, keep my attention and my focus. I don't even have my phone with me, right? And I'm still struggling. And then I also hit another barrier, which is I felt as though I ran out of things to pray about. Like, I kind of prayed about everything already, God. You already know. And then you kind of look at that scripture and it's like, don't babble on like pagans. All right, I'm moving on then, you know, like moving on from prayer. And I concluded there that I was not very good at prayer. But then the monastery has this type of fixed hour prayers. They call them canonical prayers. And so there's um, lauds in the morning and compline at night and vespers in the evening. Or I don't even know exactly all how it works but there were these structured times of prayer. And so I joined these monks for these structured times of prayer, and I realized that I actually needed that to focus. But it left me with a lot of insecurities about prayer, and actually it left me with a lot of questions, like, how does this whole prayer thing work? Does 
God actually hear me when I pray? Is God supposed to answer back? Is there like a timeline on when he's going to hit me back? I don't really know. Um, is there a posture in how I should pray? Right when I was a kid, I was like, I, I think if, if you're going to pray, um, I need to like bow my head, cross my hands, and that was going to be the way that I could focus and that God would hear me. Um, what's the appropriate amount of listening to talking? Is there a ratio that I need to follow so that you know, I'm, I'm, I'm in the right place? Why have I never heard the audible voice of God? I know people that have told me they've heard the audible voice of God. Am I missing something? Can prayer change God's mind? Or is, like, is that already fixed? Like God is already going to do what, what God's going to do. And then I would ask, well, why then should I pray? Or, or how about this? Um, someone came along one time and told me that um, prayer is actually about changing me, right? So I'm praying so that I change, so that I learn, so that I grow, so that I slow down, so that I learn how to trust. Is that true? But then it would naturally lead you to ask, then why should I pray? Or maybe what you have in your life is unanswered prayers, where you'd say, you know what, I used to pray, but it seemed like those prayers never were answered. And the Bible says, ask and you shall receive, and I ask. And sometimes it just feels like a, a one-way conversation. And so this is, this is real, and this is what makes prayer so difficult. Here's how Ronald Rollheiser summarizes the difficulty of prayer. He says, prayer is easy only for beginners and for those who are already saints. During all the long years in between, it's difficult. Why? Because prayer has the same inner dynamics as love. And love is sweet only in its initial stage when we first fall in love and again in its final mature stage. In between, love is hard work, dogged fidelity, and needs willful commitment beyond what is normally provided by our emotions and imagination. So there's a little encouragement in the middle stages of your relationship, I guess. <laughs> I think there's wisdom in this, though. That prayer takes work and fidelity and commitment and practice and repetition. And so before we get to this text, what are the barriers that you have to prayer? Is it boredom? Ah, you know, it's like a little quiet, you know, when I pray. Maybe you just say, I just don't get around to it. Like, I definitely think that's a good thing, but you should see my calendar, right? It's just full. Sometimes I know for me, I'm scared to pray because, like, what if God doesn't show up? Like, what if I pray for health and safety of my family and then something tragic happens? Like, I would regret that prayer. And so I don't pray sometimes because I actually lack trust that God is who he says he is. Or maybe, maybe, maybe it's because I'm getting a little bit older, but I, I start to realize um, it's hard to learn new things. Like, as you get older, the, the barrier for entry just seems a little higher. You're like, I don't, I don't want to admit that I didn't, I don't know how to do that. But remember what Jesus said. Lord, teach us to pray. His disciples said to him. What does it mean? It means we have to learn. So here's what Jesus says. This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. And so I had a mentor come along uh, years and years ago, and he took this prayer and he showed me a way of praying this where it is structured, like I said before, it's that sort of priestly uh, layout. But he said, what if you turn this type of prayer into a devotional prayer? And he said, it's like a hexagon. So I'll show you this, this shape here. And the beautiful thing about um, the, the Lord's Prayer is it's simple, right? Maybe some of you say, I grew up going to church sometimes at my grandma's church or something like that. And you learned 
the repetition of this. You memorized it, but then um, what you realize is as you dig into the depth of this, this is what I'll try to do here, you, you realize, wow, this is actually profound enough to sustain us in prayer. And so this is the prayer hexagon, um, we'll call it, and we'll kind of walk through uh, each part of this. And I want you to be thinking about um, not just the structured way of prayer, but think about, the, um, think about your whole life, how it can fit into this prayer, because I really believe your whole life can fit into this prayer. So you start off with the Father's character, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, Right? The first part of this prayer is actually saying something about the character and the nature of God, and and by doing so, you're actually saying something different about you, right? You're actually um, recognizing a separation between God and yourself, and then that word, hallowed be your name, right? You're, you're, You're saying something about worth and value and something about being set apart. In the Bible, there are so many names for God, and I love that when um, Christine prayed and we were singing those songs, you're starting to hear more and more names of God, right? God the Father is the creator and the sustainer, the healer, the provider, the giver of peace, the the redeemer, the father. You think about names for Jesus in prayer that could be helpful would be Emmanuel, like God with us. He's our our high priest, meaning he um, mediates our relationship between us and God the Father that Jesus is our teacher, right? Jesus is a wonderful teacher, so much wisdom, that Jesus is both um, the king of kings, right? The, the, the ruler of everything, and yet we can also call him a friend of sinners, right? What about the names for the Holy Spirit, that the Holy Spirit is our advocate, the spirit of God, the comforter, our counselor, and all of these are, are really sort of drawing forth the character and the nature of, of God, and this is actually the perfect place to begin, the Father's character, God, I understand who you are. And when you're approaching God in prayer in this way, you're thinking about, God, who do I believe you to be? Now, I want to pause here because I think that um, there's a sort of work in this, right? If if, if Jesus is telling us to pray the beginning of this prayer, our Father, um, to to someone like me, um, just an honest confession, like, I don't know how to talk to my Father. And so it's like, Weather and baseball, like those are the options, you know? And so it can actually be quite intimidating to think about praying to our Father. But how do we grow in relationship with people? By spending time. And so maybe even the beginning of this prayer for some of us is actually a barrier, right? That's actually hard work that I have to do in that moment. But as you find time in repetition and care and keep going, keep going, what you find is actually I'm growing to understand that God is a loving Father who cares about me. And so we say this, and the other beautiful thing about saying this is, is, is a simple phrase, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. What are you saying? You're saying something about who you're following, who you think your Father is. Actually, just saying this one phrase is actually a mark of grace in your life. It's actually a sign of faith in your heart. Even though maybe um, it takes years to mature and grasp what that fully means, saying our Father is, is saying, I believe in who you say that you are. And so, what's the next part? The Father's kingdom. The Father's kingdom. Your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And these two things can sort of be juxtaposed against each, uh, uh, on, on, next to each other. So you'd say... Um, God is a father who's approachable, who loves me. There's uh, intimacy there. And then the next part says that God is also a ruler of a kingdom, making him the king. What do kings do? Kings rule and reign and provide over a kingdom, right? So you have both things when you're approaching the Lord's prayer that are right next to each other. 
And what the Bible begins to tell us is, right, the phrase here is that your will be done on earth. Earth is our realm where, um, where we live and um, where um, we realize the brokenness that exists. The kingdom of God is where God rules and reigns, right? And the, the separation here in the passage is heaven. That's, that's God's space. And what are we praying? God, would your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven? What are we saying? God, we want your way here. God, we want your goodness here. We want your goodness to invade earth. We want to see violence undone. We, we want to see the air that we breathe clean and perfected. God, we want to see reconciliation between all people. We want to see equitable wages. We, the, the elements of your kingdom, we want to see those not just in heaven, but we want to see them on earth. And what the, um, your kingdom come is, is a prayer of intercession. That we're interceding on behalf of our world, we're interceding on behalf of our neighbor, um, on behalf of um, the people next to us, our family. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that um, in, in two weeks. But praying this prayer, this is a scary one, not my will, but yours be done. What is that? That is a prayer of relinquishment, right? Now, now sometimes I get cynical and I think, I just, that just means God's going to do whatever God wants to do and he's not going to consider what I want. And that's what, this is a, a reality but, but one of the things that actually this is to say, um, my deepest joy, God, is actually to let this go over to you and for you to take care of it because I can't take it anymore. And so that is that prayer of relinquishment. What's next? The Father's provision. Give us today our daily bread. Um, daily bread is a callback to the Old Testament um, where God um, fed his, um, his people in the wilderness with manna. And manna, if you remember, in the Old Testament, remained fresh for one day. And so there's this strong sense here to pray for today's needs, right? Not, not tomorrow's or, or not tomorrow's wants, but just enough for today. And the thing I was thinking about in, in praying this portion, right? Sometimes we skip to this, right? Without considering the father's character or his ability to actually rule and reign over the kingdom, but we jump to this measure of provision. But one of the things I've been thinking about um, this week is has God done that for you? Like, to just, to just think, is, is today actually just an answered prayer? That God has been faithful in providing for me food, a roof, community, connections. There are means of provisions that we actually don't pause sometimes to say, actually, maybe the Father's provision has actually been, been happening, right? And not so much like into the future, but like just enough for today. Next is the Father's forgiveness. Forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. So here's, here's where the prayer gets, I think, a little bit more difficult. There's a measure of confession and reconciliation in the midst of the prayer. But I kept reading this this week, and I thought, oh, my goodness, my greatest need and God's greatest gift have come together right there. My greatest need and God's greatest gift have come together in the idea of the forgiveness of sins. And to receive that type of forgiveness, what do you have to do? Ask, right? You have to ask. And it's not, you can get all the other parts wrong and you can say, Father, forgive me. I know who I am in comparison to what you've done through your son, Jesus. And guess what? He'll forgive you. God, I need you, right? There's a sort of acknowledgement between the, the character and the nature of God and you. But what you're also acknowledging in that space is, God, there's more grace in, in you than sin in me. 
There's more grace in you, God, than there is sin in me. And I know that, and so I can approach with confession. I've, I'm falling short. I've made a mistake. I'm not living up to the standard that you desire for me. And I love that second part. It pushes us in not just a confession in, in this personal way, but into reconciliation with others. Forgive our debtors. Fifth one, the Father's guidance. What does it say? Lead us not into temptation. It's a prayer of guidance. So often we're uh, seeking wisdom in our, our lives and we're saying, oh, I want signs. I want open doors, right? Close some doors for me, God, so I can know how to step in. But what is this prayer? It's, it's saying, God, I want to look into the future with hope. Can you help me do that? I'll never forget when I graduated from college. Um, I it was about three months before I graduated from college in my undergrad, and I just thought, I, I, I have no idea what to do. And I went to this park next to my little college, and I just kept walking around the park, and I said, God, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk around this park, and I'm going to pray until you tell me what to do. And so I went. Um, it was like March, April, so it was like a little bit cold. So I'm, I'm walking around this park, and I'm saying, God, give me guidance. Tell me what to do. Nothing. I'm like, I'll meet you here tomorrow, all right? Angrier than, this, you know, than I am today. So I, I come back second day. I'm walking around the park. I'm like, I'm not walking anymore, God. Like, I'm sitting down. Like, what do you want me to do? God, I'm actually trying to just, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I want to I hear from you. Like, and I'm, you know, you get to that point where you're like, give me a sign, you know? Like, you know, have someone text me to tell me what to do or whatever it is. Open a door. Third day, I come and I say, God, I'm really frustrated. I really want to do what you want me to do. I don't know, I don't know how to proceed. I don't know how to do this. And I think the guidance that I was getting was that the future was open, that God was perfectly okay with whatever was in front of me, and he loved me enough to say, those are two great options for you. And I think that so often we're looking for that type of guidance when the reality is, is God loves us and honors us and respects us enough to leave those options open for us. What's the last one? The Father's protection, but deliver us from the evil one. Let me go back to that. There are some things that are wrong, and I just wanted to make, make a note there. There are some decisions that are definitely wrong in your life. Last one here, the Father's protection. <laughs> Deliver us from the evil one. The, the scripture says that there's a spiritual battle at work, that God is at work. His kingdom is, is, is trying to reign, that the, the kingdom of God actually pokes through in the here and now, but there are spiritual forces at work that want to steal, kill, and destroy. And so we pray against those things. Uh, N.T. Wright says, to pray, deliver us from evil, is to inhale the victory of the cross and hold the line against the forces of destruction within ourselves and the world. And so we're praying as a means of saying, God, I know that you win in the end through the victory of your cross, and I rest in that in the moment. So here's a quick recap. The Father's character. What are we saying? God, this is who you are. I love approaching God as Father. I think that's a really a beautiful way, but I gave you some names of God. Um, the Father's kingdom, right? God, we want what you want ultimately. Um, the Father's provision, God, I have needs. I have real needs in my life and I'm praying that you meet those. The Father's forgiveness, a recognition of what we've done as we approach God, asking for um, forgiveness through confession. Uh, the Father's guidance, God, I need hope for the future. Would you give me hope for the future? And the last one, protection. I need help um, because there's real evil at work in our world. And so, this is a way to pray. And you can um, say it like we did today, to, together, corporately, but you can also use that as a way of saying, this is a good guide for me to approach God in prayer. 
So if we're learning to pray, let me give you two things today, and then we'll pick up next week um, uh, expanding on how to pray. Learning to pray. If you're just learning to pray, let me give you some very exciting news. You can just pray reality, okay? What do I mean by this? God has worked in time and history, but God also loves to work in the here and in the now and in the honesty of your life. I'll never forget, um, I don't think I had the language quite for it um, then, but when I was 18 years old, I was having a panic attack. I was in my bathroom. Um, My mom um, came, knocked on my door, and said, hey, it's time to go. I don't even remember where we were going. And I was laying on the ground, as close to the ground as possible, trying to, like, gasp for air. And um, I was so lost. I didn't know what to do. I knew my mom had walked away from the hallway, so I ran out. I grabbed my Bible, and I just, I did what you do in, in moments of panic. You go to the back, and you just look for the word anxiety, right? And so I went and found the word anxiety, looked up the first passage that I found. It was 1 Peter um, chapter 5, verse 7. Cast all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. And so here I am, like, panicking, like, gasping for air and just saying this over and over again. I can cast my anxiety on him because he cares for me. I can cast my anxieties on him because he cares for me until that moment when I can calm down. That is not a moment to pray the Lord's Prayer. That is not a moment where the vespers or the compline are like really all that helpful for me. But that is a moment where I need to pray right where I am. And so I've had moments where I'm praying through intense stomach pain or praying when my son was born. It was this really scary moment and I'm just like, God, I don't know what to do. Help me. Like be here, be here, be here because it's it's, there's just so much happening. These are moments um, where God loves to meet us. And if you had those moments in your life, I, I, I hope that you don't, but um, it's a moment to pray reality, to pray what you feel in that very moment. So do you have anger? Pray it. God, I'm pissed off. God can handle that. I promise that God can handle that. Do you have grief? Pray your grief. Are you unfocused and indifferent like I was in the monastery? Pray your apathy. God, I have no idea how to focus in this moment, Right? Do you have peace and contentment in your life? Pray it in gratitude. God can handle all of those things. I love this quote um, from this guy named Kyle Strobel. He says, um, prayer is not a place to be good, but it is a place to be honest. Prayer is not a place to perform. It is a place to be present. Prayer is not a place to be right. It is a place to be known. Prayer is not a place to prove your worth. It's a place to receive your worth and offer yourself in truth. Pray reality right where you are, right in front of you. And you might say this morning, you know what, Russell, my mind just tends to wander when I pray. Pray your wanderings, right? If you're thinking about your calendar and your to-do list, that's a really beautiful thing to actually just pray through. Your mind wandering is where you are and God can meet you in your mind wandering. And so here's the second one. We, number one, we pray reality, but also, and if you're at the starting line or you're feeling stuck, this can really help you. Pray ritualistically. What do I mean? What do, I, what do I mean by that? What I'm learning about prayer is prayer is not always exciting and intense and, and full of energy and, you know, where I feel like, wow, I'm so glad that I just spent the time doing that. And quite frankly, neither are we that exciting, all right? Life is pretty mundane in a lot of ways. But God, and God does meet us in those moments that are intense where we're praying prayers of desperation, but often God meets us there because we learn to pray habitually first. We learn to pray the Lord's Prayer. We learn to pray in moments where we'd say, God, I want your kingdom more than I want anything else. And so when we come to moments of desperation, our first go-to is, I have to pray. I don't know what else to do. I have to pray. Right? Just like when I was in the monastery, I couldn't pray. I couldn't focus. I couldn't stop falling asleep. What do I do? 
I went and prayed with others and I could focus. Maybe it was just the accountability of other people in the room, all right? Life can be so mundane, but oftentimes it's that ritual, the repetition, the habit. What are we doing? I'm I'm habiting myself into communion with God over and over and over. And that structure and that guide served as a sort of template. So when the calendars and the time constraints and the work pressures come my way, I know how to pray. The ritual can carry you through a season where it's dry. So before we wrap up today, I want to practice a, a prayer with you. And it's called the prayer of examine. We're going to just think back on the last 24 hours. We're going to think forward to the next 24 hours. So if you'd like to participate, um, you can clear your laps uh, if you'd like. Um, And yep, here is the prayer of examine. This was started by a Spanish soldier. His name is a Jesuit um, by the name of St. Ignatius of Loyola. And um, I think this is a really good structured way to pray. So we'll start with presence. Um, We're going to get a little bit of quiet as much as we can this morning. Um, And we're going to calm ourselves. We're going to invite the Holy Spirit in. And then we're going to review the day with gratitude. We're going to look back on the last 24 hours. Um, What what moved us in that moment? What happened? Um, We're going to pay attention to our current emotions and feelings. And we're going to ask for forgiveness. And then we're going to look forward to tomorrow. Don't worry. You can close your eyes. I'll walk us through uh, the the, the whole thing there. So if you want to get in a comfortable position and uh, close your eyes, I'll guide us here. Step one is presence. Just take a big, deep breath. Holy Spirit, God, you are welcome here. Let's review our day in gratitude. What has the last 24 hours brought you? Was it relaxing? A good time? Was it tough? Are there things to be thankful for? Let's pause and reflect on the last 24 hours. Step three, pay attention to your emotions. What are you experiencing in the current moment? Whatever it is, it's safe. Let it come to you. Thinking about the last 24 hours and your current emotional state, is there anything you need to ask for forgiveness for? How can you be open to the grace of God this morning?
And lastly, let's look forward to the next 24 hours. What is prepared for you on your calendar? Maybe it's practical. Maybe it's a to-do. How do you want God to meet you in the next 24 hours? So, Father, I love you and um, so grateful for a time set aside to think about who we are, who you are, how you love us, how there's this seemingly mystical thing sometimes called prayer that you actually gave us access to you. I pray that over the next seven weeks that we would be a community that's truly learning to pray that we would be a people that say, Lord, teach us to pray. We want to learn. We want to learn how to talk to you. We want to learn how to pray reality. And in moments where um, it seems hard to, to pray ritualistically, all the while knowing that your grace is sufficient for us, that we're being drawn in communion with you, even when we don't deserve it, we're met with your love and your grace. So we thank you for this text, and we thank you for this time. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen.